there's also the power of seeing something done first and then believing that, okay, I can now achieve that. Like you have you, you deadlifting 800 pounds almost on a weekly basis. Right. So it's like, I didn't think that was possible in the A3 KG weight class, like a year or two ago, like, like a, like a sub 200 pound person deadlifting 800 pounds. That's ridiculous. I didn't even think 700 pounds was like an achievable goal. Um, two years ago and to kind of like, I'm doing that on routine basis now, a uh, basis now. So it's like, man, I, it, like I, like you said, man, I think the, the record books are constantly being burned up and, and torn apart. I think on a monthly basis, honestly. Welcome to the bar bend podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao. And this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to Russell Orhi, one of the most accomplished and strongest young powerlifters in the world. Russell is the 2019 IPF world champion in the men's under 83 kilogram category, and he is just getting started. I caught up with Russell to talk about his training, nutrition, rapid rise in the sport of powerlifting, and goals for the future. If you're interested in what comes next for this young strength sports superstar, definitely stick around. I also want to say, we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbend podcast in your app of choice. Every month, we give away a box full of Barbend swag to one of our listeners who leaves a rating and review. So we look forward to hearing from you. Today, I'm talking to Russell Orhi, and this is actually the first time Russ, Russ Swole, as he's known, maybe online, and I have ever chatted. So, uh, Russell, I've been following you for a long time, and seeing your growth in the sport of powerlifting has really been something to behold, and maybe more so than a lot of other strength athletes. You put it out there. You let people follow your training on Instagram, on YouTube, and so it's, it's really been cool to see your progression in the sport. Um, thanks for joining us, and, and how did you get started in powerlifting? Uh, man, my, my, uh, my start into powerlifting was kind of, was kind of weird. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure like with people listening, but I had no idea about powerlifting when I first started lifting. Like I didn't know that you could, um, literally just do bench squat and deadlift. Right. So, uh, I was a ex football player at the time and I was making that transition of trying to figure out how I wanted to just train going forward. And one of my friends was like, Hey man, like you have pretty good numbers, uh, on bench squat and deadlift or just bench squat and incline. Like I wasn't even deadlifting at this point. And he's like, I think you should try powerlifting. I was like, what's powerlifting? And he told me that literally you could just bench squat and deadlift and put your numbers against someone else and compete. I'm like, oh, that sounds, I mean, that sounds dope. And uh, at the time I was uh, going to school at U of H and they had a powerlifting team. I was able to kind of like start my journey there. It's always interesting when you hear about people who discover powerlifting coming from whether it's, you know, I've talked to people who discovered powerlifting coming from soccer, coming from football, coming from rugby. And the thing that you didn't say that a lot of people say is, and, and I don't have to run. That's yeah. <laughs> no, see, I was, uh, I was one of those, uh, athletes that loved doing the extracurricular activities that it took to be a good, uh, good football player or whatever your particular sport was. I was, uh, I was a way rheumatic. I love doing like field work in terms of like, just like, uh, footwork drills and, and running and catching the ball and stuff like that. So, 
So, I actually miss it. <laughs> it's it's always interesting. You hear people who are they get into powerlifting and they're like they're like it's great. I don't have to do cardio. I do these lifts and I sit <laughs> down for a few minutes. But no, I mean yeah, yeah. It, you're you're obviously a multi talented athlete and have that that strong athletic background. Your first time competing in powerlifting, you said that when you got interested in the sport initially, you weren't even really deadlifting. You know, you're doing a lot of what we'd call the traditional football lifts, like the bench press, the incline, the squat. Um, how long was your training cycle leading up to your first competition? Did you just kind of jump into it? Did you find a coach? What was that first one like? So I really credit the uh, UMH powerlifting team for uh, like creating that structure for me to kind of like just kind of lean on them when it came to that kind of stuff. So I had a coach who was, uh, man, he was like 35-ish years old. So like he kind of, he's already been at, like he trained equipped and stuff like that. So his foundation was already set. So uh, he was my coach and he set the foundation. So I think I trained for, I want to say, uh, 12 weeks before my first ever pilot to meet. So that was like, uh, that was my first introduction to deadlifting. For well, the most part, yeah. Okay, tell us about that because deadlifting is something that, I mean, it's my favorite lift personally. And I yeah. think a lot of people get into powerlifting because they love deadlifting and it's something that you're yeah. where you can progress very quickly when you started you know what kind of numbers did you start with what was it like learning that movement and your first competition what kind of numbers you know were you hitting and we'll talk about kind of where you are right now to give folks a gauge on that progress yeah so uh when i first started deadlifting man like I, it's hard because as a football player we had uh power cleans right so like you're kind of familiar with the movement to a certain extent but it was kind of like a it was like a halfway point of what a power clean was so whenever I started deadlifting, um, it was like it's straight up newbie gains. It was from, you know, I wanted to deadlift uh, 400, 405 pounds for reps, and I could easily do that. Then it was like 495, and then all of a sudden I was doing 585. I was like, oh, damn, I'm getting close to six. So it was like it just kept like moving and moving and moving. Uh, so my numbers going into my first meet, I think uh, I hit 606 pounds for my, my final attempt on deadlift for my first meet. So uh, not, bad for yeah, a, was, not bad for a newbie. <laughs> but it, it was crazy because I've been doing bench and squat for so long. I already know my groove. Like I already know kind of like how to execute the lift. Um, Delev, it's, it was still trying to figure out what worked best for me. So what were your, what was your max power clean going into that? Just to give a, a perspective on, you know, if you can power clean it, you know, you can pick it up off the floor, right? So that's like a good, very low starting point, but what were you power cleaning going yeah, into that training? At, at the time, like coming out of high school, I was power cleaning. I want to say like three thirty-five. Like it wasn't anything um, too crazy. But it's like at the same time, you can only for power clean if it, you can only uh, you can only power clean or pull as much as like you can kind of like flip that and get into like the power clean position. So it's like it's it, it's tough because you're not working with like super super heavy weight. It's yeah. it, it is always interesting because. Uh, the form for we we would consider powerlifting. You know, it's an explosive movement, and you have to move it so much further uh, further up. But when you transition from having never really deadlifted in a competitive environment to powerlifting, you can get just a little bit heavier than that max powerlifting than your powerlift max than your sorry your power clean max, and suddenly yeah. it feels a lot heavier. You might only be adding 20 percent, but it feels completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, whenever, like, it, it was just such an odd transition from going into, uh, from, from power clean to deadlift. Like, it, it took, it, I honestly just, I want to say I just now caught my groove with deadlift. Because, like, when you think about it, uh, I've been, I mean, I've been squatting since I was about 14. I'm, like, 24 now. So that's, like, 10 years of just, like, uh, 
trial and error to get the technique right. Same thing with bench. So like deadlift is kind of falling behind. I've only, I've only been deadlifting for about maybe three and a half to four years now. So it's still trying to find that. And I think I just now started to find my group when it comes to deadlift and like make sure that my technique's on point. It's, it's a lifelong, it's a lifelong battle. And the thing about the deadlift too, is when you just start getting into powerlifting or switching into powerlifting from a different strength sport or from any, any other sport, you talk about those newbie gains, you make so much progress on that lift so quickly. And then and then you're so you're so jazzed on it, and then it just becomes so difficult to make progress on the deadlift once you've hit that like ninety five percent of your potential or whatever it is, and it just becomes so frustrating. Everyone always starts off with the deadlift being, or a lot of people do, their favorite lift, and then you know once they're a seasoned powerlifter, they're just like, yeah, I, I hate this. I absolutely hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What were your what were your numbers like that that first meet uh, on the, on the three lifts? And just to give yeah. folks a perspective, you know, here a few years later, what are your all-time train competition PRs uh, right now? Okay, so uh, my first meet. Let me see if I can get the numbers right off the top of my head. My first meet, I totaled fifteen oh six, I believe, um, in the eighty three kg weight class. This was like twenty. I want to say the end of twenty fifteen. So uh, this is about four years ago. So uh, I squatted five hundred and I think 39 pounds, something like that. And I benched 333 pounds, or 363 pounds, and then dealt with 606 pounds. So, so like, whatever total that gets to 1506. Yeah, it's like, around, around 1506, take, give or take a few yeah. pounds there. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. And now, now it's 2019. I'm still in the A3KG weight class. Um, my last meet, I was able to squat 690 pounds. Then I benched four, I want to say 429, and then deadlifted 716. You're just 24 years old. In powerlifting, that's still pretty young. I mean, even last year, you were still a junior, depending on federations. Powerlifting is always interesting. I come from more of a weightlifting background where the last year you're a junior, it stops at 20. Powerlifting, it's at 23. And you see powerlifters setting lifetime PRs and gaining strength well into their 40s. I mean, you look at David Ricks right now. He's 57, 58. He might even be 59 years old, and he's out here winning world championships. Powerlifting can be a long career. Do you anticipate staying in this bodyweight category for a while? And if, if not, like, where do you see that trajectory going as you put on more mass? Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's tough. I've been, I've been, I've been thinking about it lately. I still haven't had an issue cut it, cutting into the A3 KG weight class. I think whenever that challenge arises, I think if it becomes too much of a problem and I'm sacrificing too much strength then I'll just go into the 93s. Uh, people think that I walk, like when people see me, they're like, Oh, you have to be like 200 to 205 pounds easy. I'm like, Nah, because my walk around weight is is just one ninety to one ninety three at most. Oh, so that cut that um, cut's not crazy for you then? Nah, it's not. It's not hard at all. Uh. Uh-huh. So uh, if if I was casually like two hundred pounds is very 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 heavy for me, especially with my body frame. Like I'm five six on a good day. So uh, to walk around at two hundred two hundred pounds to two hundred five pounds is just a lot. And if I ever was doing that, then um, I would just probably compete at ninety three. So are you doing, are you doing, is it mostly just like a water cut right now? Or are you, or do you even need to do any, make any dietary changes to cut down? Um, just keep everything comfortable. Like I'm sure like a lot of listeners uh, compete. Um, you want to control as many variables as you possibly can. So I'll get a hold of my nutrition and kind of like, um, just get more control of it. Like usually I'm kind of just like eating out a lot and chilling a little bit, but about, about eight weeks out, I try to like kind of make everything pretty routine. 
uh, I'll probably get down to 188 to 187 pounds. And then after that, everything's just water cut. Gotcha. Well, so we know your numbers now, and we, we've seen your progress over the last, you know, call it four years. By the time this airs, you'll have basically four years in the sport. What are your goals, and what do you think is possible for you in the 83-kilo category? Now, like, like I just said, you're super young in powerlifting years, right? People compete in this sport for a long, long time. What are some goals you might have in the next, say, five years, assuming you stay in this bodyweight category? Um, Man, it, it's it's to – it's like the goals that I have, like when it comes to actual weight. Um, yeah, I have like number inside of my head, but it's just like I'm just going ahead and just to keep everything kind of short. Yeah, I'll just go ahead and say it. So I definitely want like a I want to challenge what's possible naturally for like an A through KG uh, lifter. So like I do want to squat 800 pounds. Like that's in my head. Like sometime, in, I'm not talking about like the next year or so, but this is like sometime in the future that I think that would be dope to accomplish. Um, it's crazy to say it out loud, but like I do want like a 475 to 500 pound bench, but that's such like a wild concept. And like bench is such a lift that moves so slowly. Um, it's kind of like one of those things. It's like, man, you just got to kind of just kind of bid your time and put the work in. And then deadlift, I want to deadlift, uh, I want to deadlift 800 pounds. So these are like goals that these are like goals that are like out there. Like this is like five years type of stuff. But the first, the first 83 kilo lifter to total 2,100 pounds, that'd be something. Yeah. But I feel like standards are changing every single year. Like what, what we're realizing is possible from each weight class, not just the 83s is, is just amazing. Like the 74s are getting ridiculous. Uh, what is it? The 66s, I believe as well. Like people are rewriting what they thought was possible on a yearly, if not monthly basis in my opinion. We've seen crazy movement. So just for, for a little context on, on my viewpoint here, Barben was founded, you know, I co-founded it in early 2016, like March of 2016. In the three and a half years since, the powerlifting record books have not just been rewritten. They've been burned and ripped to shreds and completely reprinted. It's just been amazing to watch the progression in the sport. And like you said, it's across weight classes. I'd say... We talk about and the, the lifts that get mainstream coverage are often the super heavyweight lifts, like Ray Williams squats at you know a thousand pounds, more than a thousand pounds. Like yeah, that'll you'll see that on ESPN, right? But across the weight categories and in some of these middle body weight categories, like where you compete, I think the progress has been even more impressive. It's really kind of a golden age of powerlifting from my perspective. What do you think? What factors are are contributing to that? I think it's it's literally just social media, man. Uh, it's literally social media. Like there's a lot of, number one, there's a lot of new lifters that are coming in off the strength of, of social media. It's a lot of people kind of like me where I didn't even know the sport existed four years ago. And I'm like, damn, I could literally just do bench squat and deadlift. Like, well, let me try my hand at that. And like more and more people are going to come, uh, more people from, from different athletic backgrounds are going to come. Also, there's the, there's also the power of seeing something done first and then believing that, okay, I can now achieve that. Like you have UU deadlifting 800 pounds almost on a weekly basis, right? So it's like, I didn't think that was possible in the A3 KG weight class like a year or two ago, like a, like a, like a sub 200 pound person deadlifting 800 pounds. That's ridiculous. I didn't even think 700 pounds was like an achievable goal um, two years ago. And to kind of like, I'm doing that on routine basis now, a uh, basis now. So it's like, man, I, it, like I, like you said, man, I think the, the record butts are constantly being burned up and, and torn apart, I think, on a monthly basis, honestly. It's, yeah. 
So it's it's social media, and I, I like how you say that. Social media can actually mean a lot of different variables there. A, and you mentioned this, it's increasing the talent pool. But B, it's also increasing communication between athletes and prospective athletes and coaches, nutritionists, things like that. So do you think it's more of the broader talent pool, more people involved in the sport? Do you think it's better communication, people finding better training programs, coaching? You know, or is it even possible to kind of weigh those two against each other at this point? Hmm. It's tough because you're seeing new lifters. I, I would say it's the first one where um, more lifters are being introduced to powerlifting through social media. Uh, we have, I don't know if you know, but uh, what's his name, man? The SS, SSJ Bob guy. Uh, man, what's his actual name? Oh, he's name? local. I actually, I actually don't know his full name. He's local to like the New York he's area. In your area. This guy found strength athletics a couple of years, like maybe two years ago, if that, maybe a year ago. I started talking to this guy a year ago. I'm like, yo, like he was doing those crazy videos at first. I'm like, yo, just do powerlifting, man. I'm telling you, like, you're going to be really, really strong. I did not expect him to be this strong. He was like squatting 550. Now he's squatting 700 pounds. And he was like deadlifting like maybe six. Now he's deadlifting 720. And it, it's just for like his, his progress has been ridiculous. And I think that with the power of social media, a lot more athletes are going to start finding that they can do this powerlifting thing, and then like their um, their potential will just be unlocked. You start training. You're creating your own competition, Russ. <laughs> and it's crazy because I was talking to him, and he's like, "Yeah, man, I, I watched your channel." I was like, "Fuck, like, damn." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he's your bodyweight class, right? Or roughly, he's right around the. He's one up. He's oh, one okay, up. okay, okay. No, but he, he started off as in, he started off in my weight class, and he's just been growing and growing into his body more and putting on more weight, and now he's in the nine threes. But still. Yeah, I, I I can see you like you see him making progress. You just send him some additional messages. You're like, hey man, you should eat some more. Like you should, you should really go up, take him out, take him out for a big dinner. Make sure you fatten him up a little bit. You bulk up a little bit, dog. Yeah, you should, you should really. That's a, if 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 you reach out if you reach out to Russell Ori and he and he gives you advice on powerlifting, he will make sure you end up in a different body weight category. That's that's all I'm going to say. That's what I'm getting from this conversation. How how common is that? How common is it for you to connect with new or potential lifters? Uh, via social media, via you know Instagram, Facebook, things like that. Is that happening on the regular for you? Yeah, it, it happens all the time. I, what happens? Uh, so I'm not sure if you know about Jamal, but um, Jamal's another like phenomenal A3 AG uh, lifter. Um, he actually told me he was going to be in the position that he's at like two or three years ago. It was at the Arnold Expo, and he came up to me. And he's like, "Hey, man, you don't know who I am right now, but I'm gonna." I'm going to, I'm going to compete against you when, uh, when, one day. And I was like, okay. Like I hear this all the time. So I'm just like, you know, it's cool, man. That's dope. Like good luck to you, blah, blah, blah. And, and I mean, he's, he's here now squatting 700 pounds as well and, uh, doing great. So it's just, it's just crazy. Like I, I'm constantly, um, just kind of keeping my out, eye out for like people that are coming up and just kind of doing their own thing. And I'll shoot them. I'll shoot them like a mess. I'm like, Hey man, keep killing it. Like you're, you're really, you're really about to make some noise. How has the sport changed? What are some other ways maybe the sport's changed in, over your time in powerlifting? Because you've only been involved in the sport for about, about four years, maybe a little less. But at the same time, it seems like so much has happened in powerlifting over the last – I mean so much has happened across strength sports, weightlifting, CrossFit, powerlifting, strongman. What changes have you been really cognizant of or you know, noted in your mind over the last you know, few years? The uh, – the- the effort when it comes to content, for sure. Like these, these uh, powerlifting companies, like even the USAPL itself, they have really taken 
the time to kind of figure out, okay, how can we broaden or push out our message even more through the power of social media? At first, they didn't, they didn't care at all. Like, uh, there was no effort. Like, the, the, the Palestine exclusive companies, they didn't really care too much about content, uh, creating quality videos, and just putting out, just like I said, quality content, right? Now, over the past, I want to say even a year, there's so many different um, companies now that are really putting like money into the content that they put on social media. Like SPD is a great example. Like I've never seen SPD do those videos or like those meat recaps that they now have. So I think that's a that's something that has changed tremendously. When did you when did you personally realize the power of content production? Because you're you're prolific. You put out a bunch of content. You're, you're traveling and having people travel to you. You're lifting with other really, really fantastic lifters. You're producing content with people. When did that light bulb kind of go off in your head and you're like, okay, I'm not just a power lifter. Cause your bio, it doesn't just say power lifter. You're a power lifter. Mm-hmm. You're a YouTuber. You know, when did that become a central part of, of what you were doing in this sport? Yeah. I mean, I, I came into the sport doing that. So, uh, like whenever I whenever I stopped playing football, I was like, let me let me like document my fitness journey through Instagram and YouTube, and that's where it started. I was like, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna lean more towards bodybuilding or powerlifting, but whichever one, I'm gonna document it just to like have that ability to kind of look back and be like, damn, like I was I was crazy, like I was doing this back in the day. So um, yeah, I I just remember going to U of H like to the powerlifting club team and like having my camera and like recording, and everyone's just kind of like, what are you doing? Like it's kind of like this is kind of weird or whatever. So uh, this, it, it, I've been doing this since the start of my whole journey, whether it would be powerlifting or bodybuilding. So people can go back, and I, you know, I've been spending a lot of time on your YouTube channel. So people are listening in, and they haven't been following you on YouTube. They can go to your channel, and they can really see your progression as an athlete in this sport, from like coming in really raw to mm. where you are right now. What advice would you give to people in strength athletics? Could powerlifters, could be weightlifters, crossfitters, you name it who want to start leveraging content production to get their message out there, build their brand and build their reach. If you want to literally the, I, I get, a, I get this question asked all the time. Uh, my biggest advice to them is start now. Don't think too much about it. Literally just pick up a camera and start recording because the mistake I made was I wanted to, I wanted to start my channel uh, six more, six months prior to me actually starting it. I just kept thinking, overthinking, like, oh, I need to be this level of strength in order for people to care about what I'm doing, or like, I need to, I need to look like this, or I need to lose 10 pounds before I pick up the camera, blah, blah, blah. It's like, nah, just pick up the camera, start recording, and that's where your journey starts, man. Like, stop making excuses. Just literally pick it up and get to it. What misconceptions do you think a lot of viewers and people have, fans of strength sports have, about fitness or strength YouTubers? <laughs> Uh, maybe that, uh, that's a good question. I, I, I think maybe that like, maybe, maybe they have the conception that like they were conceited because when you think about it, like recording yourself and just like doing all that stuff on a consistent basis, like you'd have to, it, it would, it would seem like you're very into yourself at a very high degree. So I think that's, uh, maybe that's a misconception that people have. I don't know. One, one that I hear from readers or I see readers commenting on if say we repost a big lift from someone or say like we talk about we had an article on a youtube video that an athlete puts out clearly you know a video they put a lot of work into a lift they train hard for we get a lot of comments sometimes that are basically 
I don't know. I think people think a lot of these fitness YouTubers and a lot of these strength athletes are billionaires from having a YouTube following and are just, you know, know, rolling in like a Scrooge McDuck style swimming pool of gold coins because they have 50,000 followers. It's like, no, that's that's an awesome talking point. So, uh, that, I mean, that's not true. (laughs) So, so, okay. There's, man, I like, I like talking about this kind of stuff because I think like I'm in the social media world as well. So like I kind of get a, better understanding of what uh, what's going on behind the scenes um you can have a shit ton of followers and not make any money from it at all like it, it really depends on what that person is doing with um their content and the people that are following them um i mean like i know a lot of people i've heard i've heard a lot of horror stories where not horror stories but just like situations that you know they have x amount of followers maybe five hundred thousand followers but i mean they're not leveraging that into any type of uh, revenue for themselves and uh, I mean, it's funny because on YouTube, I, I don't even make money off of YouTube anymore. I've completely given um, my camera guy the reins to just use whatever music he wants. And I just allow all my videos to get copy, copyrighted. I don't really I don't really care about making money off of YouTube anymore. So what are your what are your primary revenue sources as an athlete and content creator? Is it, is it sponsorships? Um. Uh, not so I've been I've been um I've leveraged myself to a point where like now um I have like a get better the whole get better today brand and um that's where I get a majority of uh my revenue but also like I have sponsorships as well it's just that I I never wanted to be in a point where I'm kind of just like relying on another person to like pay my bills if that makes sense like it's it's a cool check at the end of the day but at the same time I don't need them and they don't control me Right. Well, and that's all putting all your chips in one basket as far as getting all revenue from a single stream. Like if you're just all in on monetizing your YouTube videos and they change something about their creator program or how they're compensating creators, that could just impact your livelihood in a, in a huge way. And we've seen that happen too, especially for a lot of the top YouTubers. I mean, people don't understand that there is whenever, whenever YouTube made that, that I don't know what they did like, like that. Um, man, it was like some, it was like an ad thing. And fitness YouTubers, they're, I mean, <laughs> I heard <laughs> some of their, some of their monthly checks got cut into like, like into half, if not less, like a lot, like, so let's say they're making a thousand dollars a month off of YouTube. Now all of a sudden they're making $200. So yeah. You're, you're at the whims of a, of a, of a big company and it's Google and that's, that's not always the best place to be. Yeah. It's just funny because I literally just told, I mean, I told my camera guy, like, I'm just like, don't worry about getting copyright on YouTube. Like I'm, I'm. I'm just giving that check up. Like who cares now? Yeah. Who, who in strength athletics, it doesn't necessarily have to be powerlifting, but it could be who in strength athletics do you think is doing beside yourself? Do you think is doing a really good job on content production? Ooh, I really like what, uh, I really like what Steffi's doing. Steffi Cohen. Man, I just had another name in my head that just popped up. I really like what she's doing though. She has like, she has like a, a camera guy picture like she I, I like her content it's really good there's one other person there's one other person that does a really really good job that i admire I'm trying to think if you think of if you think of them later in the in the conversation that's okay. that's all that's all good too yeah i, I mean just like I, uh, I just like steffi's whole ecosystem that she has around her like her her merch her her camera like just the the production of content like all that stuff i love it yeah she's very well diversified Across platforms, yes. which is the goal. And I mean, even running a, a media brand, Barband isn't a person. We have a, we have a team. Of course, we want to mm. diversify our reach. We want to get traffic from Google. We want to get traffic from YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. You want to Twitter. You want to diversify across because if one platform changes something, 
you know, those checks don't disappear or those revenue streams don't disappear or those viewers, those eyeballs, what we're more concerned with, they don't necessarily disappear. So definitely a good point there. Who in strength athletics, maybe not necessarily on the content production side, just more more generally for you know, their proficiency and accomplishments in the sports that they're in, do you most admire? Huh. It's another good question. <laughs> I, I like, I used to have these names in my head, but it's, it's weird because I feel like, I feel like a lot of the tides are shifting. Um, I want to say someone, someone that definitely motivates me whenever I watch them. I think uh, that's a better angle to look at it for me is uh, Ashton Rusta for sure. Um, that's someone that literally he, he rewrites what, what's possible on every single IG post that he puts, you know, it's like people don't think that um, what he is doing now is possible. And I I, like just watching him lift and like the numbers that he's putting up literally just makes me like, think I'm like, damn, what am I doing? Like, how could I do that in my own, you know, realm? Right. So I think Ashton for sure. Yeah. Ashton. I'd have to say Ashton. All right. Who's your dream training partner? And you can't, you can't have the same answer for two questions in a row. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Your dream training partner who you haven't had a chance to train with before. Cause you trained with, you trained with some pretty strong people. Yeah. Dream training partner. <laughs> Does it have to be like a real person? <laughs> uh, yeah, of course it, of course it has to be a real person. It can't be, I mean, it can't be, you know, Mickey Mouse or, you know, yeah. like, what do you, Superman? No, it has to be a real person. Yeah, who do I want to train with right now? This video is going to be an official shout out. I'm going to send this, not this video, this recording, sorry. Uh, I'm going to send this podcast to whoever this is and just be like, hey. Dream training partner. You know what, man? I love, I love, uh, I love Taylor Atwood. I love Taylor Atwood. Like, oh, we can make um, that happen. Taylor was in our office last week. You know, okay, the reason why I'm saying that right now is because Taylor has a certain mentality that very few powerlifters have right now just because he's a former athlete. Uh, he, he played football at a pretty high level. And uh, he just – he talks like a he, – he's a dog, man. Like, look, quick quick story. Um, you, there's always been this kind of like debate if Taylor should move up to the 83s because he'll be like competitive. And uh, I'm not the type of person that's going to back down from the challenge. So literally I'm, I'm weighing in for IPF worlds and Taylor comes in with his dad and his dad's like, is this the guy? Like, is this the, 80, is this the, is this the representative for the 83? He's like, I don't know, Taylor, you might have to move up, man. He's like, he's like, we ain't scared of nobody. I was like, who is this? Like, who is this guy? It was my first time meeting him. I'm like, move up, move up. I'm waiting for you. You can move up if you want to, bro. I'm right here. Wait, move up. So it's like, I like his never back down mentality, like his trash. To, I like I feed off and stuff like that. So I would definitely love to train with him in person. He Taylor is a lot of fun. He's he is local to the New York area, so you know we've had the chance to work with him on a a good a good bit of content. We've had him in. We have like a little gym set up here in the office. He's a really great guy. I gotta say, I wouldn't want to be on camera next to him because that hair is just. It's untouchable. <laughs> I just it's perfect every time. It's like something out of a, a sculpted. You know, it's it's like it's sculpted the same way every day. It's it's impressive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd say I'd say Taylor for sure because I've trained. I've actually trained with Ashton before. So uh, yeah, because Ashton Ashton was local to Ashton was around the Texas area, so we've trained a couple of times. What, he's, he's a dog too. What is the Texas powerlifting community like in your area? Because when I think powerlifting back like decades, I mean Texas was the central point for some of the strongest people in the world back in the 80s 90s you know 2000s i mean west side in ohio obviously same thing but what's that community like these days where you are 
I'd say it's in it's pretty bad shape. I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's crazy that people. It's crazy that you actually said that. I, I I really think that we as like a as a palace community inside of Houston need to do a better job. Um, that, that's just my, that's just my, that could be a misconception, right? But that's just kind of like looking historically at some athletes from the past few decades. There's, there's, so I think, I think when you look at it from a broad scale, like there's a lot of strong, like Texas powerlifters, right? But there's not like a centralized spot or like a a community in Houston. At least I would say, I I can only speak for Houston because that's where I'm at. I wouldn't say there's like a centralized gym or spot that a lot of powerlifters are going to in training and kind of like bigging each other up, you know? Like there isn't like a gym that you're going to drive into Houston and be like, we need to train there because uh, X, Y, and Z is going to be there. Like that, that doesn't exist in Houston. And I, like, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that on the podcast, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there might be, this, this might be a topic for, for podcast number two in the, in the, in the future, down, a little bit down the road. Uh, Russell, I want to ask a few kind of more rapid fire questions just to give folks a little bit of insight. Again, if they don't already follow you, cause you put out a lot of good content you give really good insight into your personality, your lifestyle and, you know, powerlifting only being one aspect of your life. But I, I am curious, what's your secret talent? If you have one secret talent, um, I like to draw. I, I think I'm a pretty good drawer. Like I like to doodle and stuff like that. So. I, I see some paintings. Uh, Russell and I are actually video conferencing right now. Are those paintings behind you? Are those are those original works of yours? I, I wish I could flex and say they were, but they're not. <laughs> oh, because they're, be- they're beautiful. I was I was hoping you'd be like, oh, these, yeah, yeah. You know, this is just a little slight work. You know what I'm saying? Just a little. No, nah, I got that from Target. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is uh, what is your least favorite movement in strength training? Uh, bench for sure. <laughs> I hate bench, <laughs> but you've been doing it for so long. I, I never thought I liked it. <laughs> yeah, that's, fair. that's fair. That's fair. That's, that's, that's on me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's just cause I have like long arms for my frame and like compared to my other, I mean, my other competitors have more impressive benches than myself. And it, it's just, ah, just don't really like it that much. Taylor's going to listen to this and he's going to want to move up. He's going to want to move up a weight class now. If he hears this. <laughs> Taylor can listen to this, man. Taylor got a better bench than you, but that's squat and deadlift, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just goading you a little bit. I know, I know, I know. He's gonna, he's gonna get mad listening to the season. But, oh, okay, bet, bet. <laughs> All right, Russ. Where is the best? Where are the best places for folks to keep up to date with what you're doing, their training, if they're not already following you? Can I give three places? Yeah, go for it. Sure. No, actually, choose the max. No, I'm kidding. Go, go for three. Go for three. <laughs> It's funny. Twitter is actually my favorite app. That's the one I use frequently. Like if you want to get, if you want to interact with me, um, I would say go to Twitter. Uh, also Instagram, YouTube, but um, you can just find me at Russ Swole. So R-U-S-S-W-O-L-E. Excellent. Awesome. Well, Russ, I really appreciate your time. It's been a, a pleasure chatting with you and it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. So it's a, a lot of fun getting to uh, getting to know you and especially after following you and your journey in the sport for so long. So I really appreciate it. I appreciate you guys reaching out. 